You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Part of Fake Teams Podcast Network, uh, brought to you by SB Nation. I am the conductor of the Devin Funches Hype Train and your humble host, Pete Rogers. Joined, as always, by all of the men, the glorious guys. We have DK Metcalf's number one admirer and Mr. Independent Drinker Clark Barnes. He'll save it! Yeah! And working girl, Jordan Smith. And the world's biggest 49ers fan and ginger woodsman, Nick underscore underscore something you won't remember. Guys, how are we doing? Doing great, Pete. Very, very pumped for uh, an exciting weekend, just generally. There's we have a I, lot ta- going on. Yeah, we've talked about it going into this, but we've got there's a lot going down. We got the NFL draft starting on Thursday, which we're going to talk about. You've got the Battle of Winterfell on Game of Thrones, which we're going to talk about. Sans Nicholas, of course, um, and you got Avengers Endgame, which is one of those movies where I, I don't often muster up the energy to go to the theaters to see it in the theaters. Well, Jordan's already repping his shit. Um, But I feel like that's one of these, this is going to be one of those movies where you kind of have to go see it in theaters, not only just because on the big screen, it'll be glorious, but I also feel like it's going to be kind of a a cultural event. You know, like I think there'll be a lot of uh, interaction in inside the theater. Yeah. That's always the best when you can go to a movie like that, where there's actually uh, a fun audience, like interactive, I don't think it's going to be a movie where you have to uh, be quiet. Okay, we're trying to listen to this really important dialogue. Hell no, it's going to be a bunch of fighting and basic schemes of, okay, this is our mission. Let's go. <laughs> Three hours of it. One of my favorite movie going experience was, was seeing a quiet place at the Alamo draft house. It's a place where they serve beer and food. And, you know, about three minutes into the movie, everybody's got their food and their drink. And then they realize uh, the movie is silent. And so you can slowly see people opt out of eating because it's so disruptive, even when you're eating like a French fry. And then there's, you know, the very loud scene and everyone's like quickly stuffing their mouth and everyone goes back to being quiet. I saw I saw Get Out in theaters and that was also like a fantastic moviegoer experience because at every kind of like climax in the movie, everyone's like, oh, shit. Oh, God. Uh, especially at the end for those who have, who have seen it and know when the cop car pulls up, everyone was thinking the worst, uh, but then, uh, then it turned out okay. But Clark, I, I wanted to piggyback on what Clark was saying. One of my first dates with my girlfriend was to uh, a quiet place and I, she, I didn't know she didn't like scary movies <laughs> and she actually told me that she did like them cause she didn't want to be like, no, I don't like them. She did the same thing with, uh, uh, oysters too, which was hilarious. 
because um, that's hard to, to fake right off the bat. But anyway. yeah, it's hard to hard to eat an oyster and be like, no, no, I love this. <laughs> you have a keeper there, Nick. Yes, he's <laughs> Nick. Well done. He's I'm enjoying come this. around on oysters. <laughs> I but, love um, this slime. Just up. <laughs> but it was uh, it was so funny. Like she was so. I realized during the movie because she kind of gave like a weird response. So anyway, long story short, it was super funny. I scared her halfway through the movie. Um, like a true gentleman. Right. Yeah, she didn't. There's like a, like a pivotal moment, and Nick just like taps her on the shoulder and is like, boom. I went to the bathroom when I came back, and I was like, ah. classic. Yeah, that was an asshole. A, that was an excellent film. Um, excellent. Well, we will get into the NFL draft, and and we kind of covered our end game right there. Excuse me. Uh, we got some NFL news for us to take care of. Um, the biggest thing happened today, which left me in a mild state of confusion, and I'll be interested to hear your guys' input. But uh, the biggest news from the NFL is that Frank Clark, the defensive lineman from the Seattle Seahawks, got traded to the Chiefs today. Uh, the Chiefs get Frank Clark, the 84th overall pick, and then the Seahawks get the 29th overall pick, the 92nd overall pick, and then the lower of the Chiefs' 2022nd rounders. Um, and then the Chiefs, once upon getting Clark, signed him to a five-year, $105.5 million deal with $63 million guaranteed, which is more than Demarcus Lawrence got. Uh, personally, this doesn't this didn't make a lot of sense to me after not trading away Ford, uh, D Ford for not because of the premise that you didn't really want to pay him. But Nick, you are a 49ers fan, an ex-Seahawks fan. You probably have some mild relationship with Frank Clark. Is he worth all of this for the Chiefs? Uh, I don't have a, a a true relationship with Frank Clark, but I can see why you would assume that I did because I'm famous and so is he. Um, I think they got a great haul and like of, of any year to the Seahawks, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, of, of any year to to dump your like stud defensive end and try to replace him with a cheap rookie in the first round, this is the year. I think it was it was an awesome trade. Um, I I don't understand the Chiefs' uh, thinking with their their insistence upon bringing in like four three base personnel when they're like everyone else are running sub packages more than anything. It, like, yeah, I don't know. I don't get it. I don't know why you let go of two in house stud options and then sell part of the farm to go get Frank Clark. And especially like you were saying, Nick, like this is a a, a deep draft. This the the, the whole number one position at this draft is defensive lineman and Jordan as our as our resident trenches man like you have to like would the Chiefs not have just been better off taking you know kind of kicking the tires on some rookie on a on a cheap contract and trying to see what they could do or like I I don't know this 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 trade still perplexes me um I think what they want to do honestly is make sure they because I I probably wouldn't have wanted to pay D Ford either I think they had a lot of questions around him just generally with his health and, you know, when he decides to have good seasons and when he doesn't. Um, I, I think they wanted to pull the, I, ironically, the Seahawks model and start paying defensive players now before they have to pay Patrick Mahomes. Because if they draft a really good stud defensive end this, in this draft, they're going to have to pay him about the same time they uh, extend Patrick Mahomes to the richest contract in NFL history so it's it's probably just a, a a pay now and you know not have to worry about the repercussions later because I'm sure Frank Clark's deal isn't that bad down the line 
Question yeah, mark? I think I think I saw somewhere that it's it's basic. I mean, as every NFL deal is, it's basically three yeah. years, and then they can get out after that uh, without much much damage done. Um, the other thing that I feel like kind of needs to be noted is the fact that Frank Clark. One of the reasons why the Seahawks were probably a little skeptical about giving him a big ter- long term deal was that he has off the field issues. He's had a history of domestic violence. Um, and so it seems rather surprising to me that the Chiefs, after dealing with Kareem Hunt and currently dealing with Tyree Kill, are kind of willing to bring in another kind of player who has who has a, a violent history. I mean, I guess you trust your brass to be able to keep them in line, but uh, that seems that seems like a, a problematic move on my book, at least. The Chiefs just honestly don't care. Clearly, like we we don't have to pretend like they actually care about these things because they don't. They just don't give a shit. Yeah, I, I found it shocking um, that like of all of all defensive ends that they could have tried to trade for that this is it. I get that like he kind of tumbled onto the the trade market uh, via rumors and stuff, but it's it's pretty stupefying uh given as you were saying pete like what happened just last year two players no it just it seems weird to let two real stud defensive linemen pass rushers go and then pay so much to bring in frank clark who who is good it's it's not like this is a brock osweiler deal deal where they're just like taking him and he's a very good player but there's a lot of really odd things going on around it uh like like you've all mentioned it's just Go Seahawks to get a first round pick for someone that you're going to let go. Like that's the real nice move. And I saw this, I think it was Mike Renner uh, of PFF who tweeted this out where if you're like, I can understand the idea of D four not wanting to keep him around or not wanting to pay him long-term because he had one super productive year. And that was kind of it. Despite the fact being on the team for three or four years now, three years, I think. Uh, and if you're really making this shift, like you're making a hard shift and an effort to go from a three, four to a four, three defense. Sure. That's great. You want to, he was playing outside linebacker. You don't know if he can play with his hand in the dirt at an outside uh, defensive end, but Trey flowers was given less money than this and can play all over the line can play basically the exact role. Frank, Frank, Frank Clark does. And you'd save yourself a first and a second, as well as a little bit of money. Like it seems, it just seems funny, perplexing to me that the chiefs, didn't make any aggressive moves in free agency for defensive linemen. And then kind of a couple of days before the draft, a defensive lineman deep draft were like, Hey, we're going to give up a first and a second and $105 million for a guy. My real favorite thing is how courteous they're being saying that the lower of either the 49ers or their second round pick next year will be exchanged instead of just saying the 49ers second round pick. Next year. They're trying to be very polite about it. Yeah. Cool beans. Well, also in the news, Earlier in the week, uh, TJ Yeldon signed with the Buffalo Bills. Clark, as an avid Bills fan, um, who is this worst news for, LaShawn McCoy or Frank Gore? I think this is worst news for me. I have always believed in <laughs> TJ Yeldon. And I just, like, I was like, okay, he, he's off the Jaguars. He, he's just going to be the third string running back somewhere. I can finally stop drafting TJ Yeldon in the ninth round. And then he goes and signs with the Bills, who have a solid but geriatric backfield. And now I just know that I'll be drafting and regretting TJ Yeldon again this year. I think it's a perfect – it could easily be a perfect landing spot for him because of the fact, like you said, Clark, like he's got LaShawn McCoy and Frank Gore ahead of him, both of whom are well into their 30s. Uh, Frank Gore 
seemingly is ageless and, and can produce constantly. But LaShawn McCoy has not put together a lot of great seasons recently. And I just I think that if TJ Yeldon and and uh Josh Allen click for whatever reason, if there's chemistry there, like he's suddenly gonna get thrust into a lot of targets and a lot of shares on that in that offense. And I'm 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 on your boat, Clark. Like I'm kind of thinking that now in the ninth or tenth round, I'll be like, ah, why not? Why not throw a flyer at TJ Yeldon and kind of see what he can do in Buffalo, especially when the people above him are you know, hip surgery away from being out of the NFL. Yeah, he actually uh, – I, I missed that this happened, Pete, and this is kind of interesting. Like, my final pick in the draft, yeah, I'd take TJ Elden. Hell yeah. I think he's good. Like, am I – but I have this nasty habit of deciding that I like someone and then just not paying attention to anything else. But we saw he was good. Like, it wasn't just a think thing. Like, when Leonard Fournette was out for multiple games last year, TJ Yeldon was, like, a huge part of that offense. He was flashing a lot of capabilities, especially in the passing game, which I think is something that, you know, the Bills are really going to utilize with him because Josh Allen, you know, can't throw the ball within the realm of reason for his receivers. And so, like, it's really easy to just kind of, like, shotgun it uh, to to a running back who's 20 feet, you know, 10 feet away from you and, and kind of let him do the rest. I'm a little upset that uh, TJ Yeldon has to go into a backfield that has so much, can you call it competition, I, I guess, question mark. I mean, there are, there are a couple of old running backs there, but you know Frank Gore is going to, uh, he's going to do some things. LaShawn McCoy might get relegated to a third down back type of situation. Um, but I kind of want TJ Yeldon to go somewhere and be the guy a little bit because he's shown with, uh, when he comes in relief for the Jaguars that he's been able to, to do some things. And I kind of want to see him do some things. Yeah. I was, I forget what I wrote this. I think it was long ago when we did our, our uh, off season wish lists. I had him going to the Falcons because I thought, because Devontae Freeman hasn't been able to put a, a healthy season together for the last two years at the very least. And they clearly weren't going to pay Tevin Coleman. And I think you could have gotten TJ Yeldon for a cheaper price than Coleman. And he would have been able to have that same ability to play in the passing game. Uh, but also whenever Freeman gets injured for six weeks, come in and be a very reliable starting running back for them. Yeah. I mean, the fantasy implication is if you had any hope, for any kind of clarity out of Buffalo's backfield, even on a week-to-week basis, it's, you know, TJ Yeldon's on waiver wire speed dial, as they say, but there's no one. Ugh. Yeah, no. It was not It was not fun as it was with LaShawn McCoy and Frank Gore back there. It's going to be even less fun with TJ Yeldon back there. But maybe he'll rise above. Maybe he will reign supreme uh, and be the young man in an old man's game. He might be the healthiest one by the end of the season. Just Which... Probably. <laughs> I would put his, my money on that. I would like his to. hamstrings don't get to go to a museum. <laughs> <laughs> Got them because they're old. Uh, That's what it was. Generally, this new segment <laughs> is uh, where Clark finds out about what happens in the going ons of the NFL. But Clark, I have to say, on the Slack channel today, you had you were dropping news knowledge. Do you want to do you want to share this this knowledge that was at the top of your news list today? Yeah, and sticking with the 49ers, since this is now a 49ers show, Robbie Gould making a power play, franchise tagged by the 49ers. So, okay, so something that I've never heard of before, someone franchise tagging a kicker. And then Robbie Gould has the chutzpah to say, 
trade me. Seahawks tagged Josh Brown, I think, twice. Okay. That, but Josh Brown weird. never flexed and was like, trade me, motherfuckers. <laughs> it seemed like last year we had a lot of big missed field goals. It seemed like we had a lot of kickers that were struggling. And Robbie Gold's been playing really well since being cut from the Bears for playing very poorly. I just feel like this is super interesting. I can't. At least there's some actual football news to talk about because after the draft, boys, it's nothing except for people getting arrested for like two months and then mini caps start. <laughs> yeah. I like yeah, how... it's not... Go ahead, Jordan. Oh, I was going to say, it's not like there's 32 safe or 31 other safe kickers in the in the league right now. Like there's definitely some guys or some teams out there that'll be shelling out draft picks or you know, like a sixth rounder for a kicker. Bucks gave Rather up a than draft round. one. The Bucks gave Robert Aguayo a second round value. But I also, I mean, like, if you're Robbie Gold, this totally makes sense because, like, we've been talking about, there have been a bunch, like, kicking was not an easy thing last year, and if you've been a very productive kicker, you want to get paid like a very productive kicker, and so the franchise tag doesn't get that for you. Did you did you guys see where he said he wants to go? Is it back to the Bears? He said near Chicago. Oh, uh, Yeah. Yeah, near <laughs> Chicago. I want to play for the AAF squad out near Chicago. It's like, no, clearly that's only one thing you want. And good for him, man. Go back to the Bears. They have a better chance of making it to the Super Bowl than the 49ers. Sorry, Nick. How do you you? He knows the Rams aren't in St. Louis anymore, right? <laughs> like, uh, I also I, just want to – I also like the fact that that Clark has, has – put a kicker requesting a trade above all else, all other NFL news today. Yeah. That, is, that is the pinnacle of, of NFL news for Clark. It's the most fun news today. <laughs> Actually, the, I, have, I have one more pen. item. Oh, good. Woo, look at this. Clark so, takes over the NFL news cycle. I complain a lot on the show about not news stories being in the news, uh, but there's a quote today from LA Chargers GM Tom Telesco that I want to read. This is at a press conference uh, discussing the draft, and here we go. That's the way these press conferences are draft week. I mean, probably a lot of you don't want to be here for this because you know I'm not going to say anything. I don't want to be here for this because I know I can't say anything. So we're both here and don't really want to be here, but let's try to get through this and have some fun. It's tough. I mean, we do all this work all year, and you guys have a lot of questions about it, and it's just not like you can really say right now. I'll understand, or I'll answer as many of your questions as I can. A lot of maybe just very general about the draft or whatever, but that's just kind of what it is. And then once we pick the players, we will be up here and we'll talk about the guys all day long. How refreshing. It is refreshing. (laughs) And you know what? They're going to be excited about every single draft pick they make. And they had top rated grades on every single draft pick. It's it's, It's so strange to see someone being honest. It's just, it's such a lost thing and in, in in kind of well not even sports media but it's just like because of the fact that you thrust a microphone in front of everyone's face and expect them to give you something and none of them want to give you anything like it just has become a very dulled process and that like you know how did you feel about this move well i can't say anything damning so i'm just going to say you know blanket answers and so it's always nice when someone is just like hey look this is ridiculous. I know it's ridiculous. I know you think it's ridiculous. Like it sucks for both of us, but I can't say anything. You know, you want me to say something. So we're just going to kind of beat around the bush, but at least I'm being honest and, and fortright with it. I like it. Well done, Tom Telesco. It's like, uh, 
it's like Greg Popovich during uh, those interviews, in-game interviews, where they're asking him a bunch of like questions. Well, what do you plan to do in the second half? Oh, we're going to score the ball. <laughs> like, what do you want him to give you? The game right. plan here? He's got a whole half of basketball to finish up here. Well, let me tell you exactly what we're going to do so that when the opposing coach sees this, they'll know exactly what our game plan is. Let me tell you sure. everything you're looking for. Pete, I do want to point out that I feel like these guys are kind of they're they're being a little too choosy here. We do have a team in the NFL who tells us exactly what they're going to do, and that's that they're not going to tell us anything. If that made sense, it's the New England Patriots. They're always honest. They hate everyone. This is true, uh, but I hate to break this to you, Nick. Um, I, I I guess I feel like it's it's not really authentic coming from you at that point because you're such a diehard 49ers fan like i feel like i i mean it just feels like you're kind of fabricating a fandom here i was sucking up <laughs> that's fair more airtime for nick <laughs> nick keep talking <laughs> it is true i mean and that's why the media has such a terrible relationship with belichick because belichick just goes up there and gives the middle finger to everyone and everyone's like damn it belichick and he's like well i mean what do you want from me i'm not gonna tell you I, unless you ask him about punters or special teams or lacrosse players then he'll go on for years talking about how fantastic those positions and players are. I, I do love when he when he gets like interested in, in someone's oh, question. Speaking of which, one of my good friends, his brother plays lacrosse at um, I don't know, some school. And guess who showed up to their lacrosse practice? Billy Angela B. Lansbury. B- yeah. How did you know? Uh Billy B showed up to do some uh, some way early scouting for the you know 2027 draft, which I just thought was quarterback. hilarious and just the most Bill Belichick thing in the world is to just randomly appear at a lacrosse practice because that's, that's just how the world goes. That's how you that's how you win six Super Bowls. You show up to lacrosse practices on the East Coast. Um, anyone else have news nuggets to drop? This this whole segment has now become a, a group effort, and I, I love it. I don't really have a, a news segment, oh but God. there's more. Um, uh, so I don't I don't know how this all started today. I was like wandering around DC and A's going to conferences all day. But what was the deal with this whole Patrick Peterson rumor mill? Like, oh, uh, true. What is going on there? I know it's uh, it's draft week and everything is pretty much bullshit at this point. But what is the deal with the rumor of him getting traded to Kansas City and then he like might have posted something on IG? I'm, I missed it entirely, but I got little bits and snippets from group chat messaging. And so all I saw was Antonio, not not Antonio, um, someone Brown, who's who's you, who's a, a Twitter name, not his handle, but his name is just the AB emoji, and he used to be a wide receiver for the Buccaneers, I believe. Uh, he tweeted out that Patrick Peterson to the Chiefs. And then Pro Football Talk was like, nah, my source is saying that's not true. And then like two minutes later tweeted, but I am hearing from my sources that Pat Pete might be on the move. Stay tuned. Things seeming crazy. And then like 30 minutes later tweeted out being like, nope, sources lied. Everything's cold. Patrick Peterson's not getting traded. Kind of really confused and tried to trade Josh Rosen for Patrick Peterson. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Kansas. I think Kansas City was just trying to kick the tires on anything. They were like, "Yo, look, this first first round pick is burning a hole in our pocket. We need to get rid of it ASAP." Who's got defensive players that they're shopping right now? 
And so they just settled on Frank Clark instead of uh, Patrick Peterson. I think by now people should recognize that the Cardinals aren't going to trade some of their really good Hall of Fame players so they can have a chance to go win somewhere else. They're just going to hang on to them for dear life and let them rot away in Phoenix. Which is really upsetting. Yeah. Anyway, next segment. Next segment. Well, before we go to our next segment, let's first take a break for some advertisements. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And we're back. All right. Uh, We are going to do, since the NFL draft is on Thursday, which will be when you're listening to this tomorrow, we're going to bring back something that we haven't done in a while, and that is the good old beer bets. It's been a while since we played this. Each of us is going to make one, two, I have three, but whatever number we've got. I know Jordan has zero. <laughs> make some propositions that the rest of us will t- either bet, either take, uh, meaning that you know we don't think that this will come true and we want to get a, uh, a free beer off of it. Or we agree, it's just a good idea, no beers are exchanged. Uh, so, Nicholas, let's start with you. What is your first beer bet for the NFL draft? Okay, this one, it's a, a two-for-one. <clears throat> I bet that both uh, Marquise Hollywood Brown and DK, Metpa- DK Metcalf surpass Deshaun Jackson's rookie year mark of 14.7 yards per reception. Oh, wow, so you're not even making That's... a draft bet. You're making like a like a rookie season bet. This is something that yeah. we're going to have to track the entire season. Yeah, or just look at the end. You're a terrible person. I like it. I, I, I will have to take you up on that bet. I feel like that's a very lofty goal for one person, let alone both. So very yeah. interesting. Yeah. Is, there, you- is there a minimum uh, temps or whatever snaps? I, 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 I was- how they measure it. Um, I was thinking just injury, like like reasonable injury stipulation, like if they miss. Barring, you know. yeah, yeah. I'll take you up on it, Nicholas. Cool. I don't think that I don't think that you're gonna. What is your in what scenario or what location do you feel like they have to go to in order for this to come true? Like, do you have a certain team in mind where you're like, yes, if they go to this team, then this is definitely coming true, or do you just feel like, now nah, these guys are so freaking talented and fast that it doesn't matter where they go? Well, I think that um, fit would matter more for DK Metcalf as as we've talked about, just because I, I think that he needs to go to a place where. Uh, the team will not try to force him into the number one role and will just let him try to imitate Artavis Bryant. So, like, basically a team making a, a luxury pick. So I'm just Washington looking breadsticks. Down. Ideal location for him. They don't need a number one receiver. They're definitely not going to force him into that. Oh, man. Um, 
God, that's rough. I can't. I mean, if the if the Texans didn't have one of their two other burners, that would be such a sick spot. Um, but I don't. Maybe maybe the Eagles or the Colts. If if either of those guys could end up on either of those teams, that'd be awesome. Jordan, are you taking? Uh, no. Wow, Jordan, spicy. Well, because I think I mean, as rookie receivers, I think they might go to a place where they're not going to be the. Right, where maybe they have like the ball, so they're going to have like a good amount of catches, but it's not going to knock their average down. Right, maybe they have like thirty catches for whatever fourteen point seven times thirty is. Unless Hollywood Brown goes to New England, I should say for reference that uh, Jackson's mark of fourteen point seven was no uh, was twenty first in the league that year, so they'd be top twenty in the league. What do we think the over under on? Chris Collinsworth wearing the fuck out of the Hollywood Brown nickname the first time that they play. <laughs> more more times than he slides into the frame during the broadcast. Oh yes, he's going to slide into the end of the season and be like, "Hollywood Brown, bitches." Well, you know, call this guy Hollywood, and when you watch him play out there, you can really see why. Chris Collinsworth is like at an LA fitness right now doing some band work and stretching to get those hips going. So he can slide <laughs> right in. God, more power to the guy. Wild. <laughs> By the way, like Chris Collinsworth, like if you're hiring, I'm not making fun of you. If you're hiring, I Clark love Collinsworth. Just a mean impression of you. He's not, he's not so bad. I mean, <laughs> oh, he's not bad. Uh, Clark, what beer bet you got going? So I, I am going to use my platform here to just speak something into existence that I want to happen. Literally the only reason we have this podcast. Right. And and my beer bet is very specific. The Houston Texans draft Josh Jacobs. I will not take you up on this because I would love this to happen. I want this to happen. I'm in your boat too, Clark. I am joining you side by side on this boat with many holes that we're going to quickly be plugging until finally Josh Jacobs appears next to us and says, hey, guys. I can plug this boat up for you. And we say, thanks, Josh. Paddle us to shore, baby. I will take the bet. I'll take the bet, too. I mean, you guys know that I picked him during our This Is Accurate mock draft last week. True. Yeah. It was a 100%. I can't read Nick. I can't read Nick. Well, Nick Nick is currently sweating in his boots right now because we also said DK Metcalf was going to the breadsticks. And he's right now has has Case Keenum throwing uh, DK Metcalf 14.7 yards per reception, which we all know is definitely going to happen. Case Keenum, notorious deep ball thrower. (laughs) Just can't see outside the hashes. Let's do this! Um, All right, my first beer bet uh, is very simple. I'm saying that Dwayne Haskins... Uh, the second quarterback on many people's lists will not be taken in the top 10 picks. I will not take that. I, I will take it. I have a, a similar, mm. I have the reciprocal almost uh, beer bet here. Mm, well said. I think, well, me and Clark might be on the, the same track. So let me say that I agree with that bet and I would like to parlay it with Dwayne Haskins being the third quarterback taken in the draft. Ooh. Because I think the Giants are going to be stupid and do a full Giants and go Daniel Jones at six or maybe somewhere else in the draft. I think they're just going to – I don't know why they have this fatuation with him, but they do. Which leaves only the Broncos dumb enough to pull the trigger for him at 10. What's going to kill me is if the Bengals, who are somehow worried and and don't just sit and let Dwayne Haskins fall into their lap, 
uh, at 11, they're going to trade into the top 10 to get him, which would be very upsetting. But I think he certainly falls out of the top 10. I could even, I'm, I'm with you, Jordan. I would, would not be surprised if he was the third quarterback taken. Yeah, I like him out of the top 10 for that specific reason. I, I just like him at the Bengals at 11. Uh, like, I feel like he can't be any worse than Andy Dalton. I feel like he's coming in much better than Andy Dalton. Maybe it is just crazy of me because we haven't seen the great Andy Dalton recently because he's been injured, but I just think Dwayne Haskins is better than Andy Dalton right now. So just Clark is taking me up on this uh, Dwayne Haskins outside the top 10. Wait, which side are you on, Pete? I don't think he's going to be selected in the top 10. Yeah, I don't think he's okay. going to be selected right, cool. in the top 10 either. Only Clark thinks he is. Um, cool. Let's go. Jordan, I know you kind of parlayed my bet and tried to tried to you know glom on your own because you don't have any of your bets. You didn't prepare ahead of time. Do you have anything individual on your own to offer this podcast and to be a good uh, a good you know co-host? Oh, now you're just pretending that you can't yeah. hear me. Taking off your headphones, like what? What's happening? You talking to me? <laughs> Do you have a beer bet, Jordan? We've lost Jordan. Yeah, Jordan. Jordan's dead. You, okay, never mind. I don't know what happened. I lost connection. Um, I do have a beer bet. Let me think of how I want to phrase this. My beer bet is that the Arizona Cardinals will definitely trade down in the draft. I will say no less than three teams in general, including the Arizona Cardinals will trade down. No less than three teams, including the Cardinals will trade down. I will definitely take you up on that. I don't think the Cardinals trade down. I know it's crazy, but I don't think they do it. What? Okay. So I I think three teams. Yeah. I think three teams will trade down, but I, I think that the cards will pick Kyler Murray. You think the Cards are going to do Kyle Murray? Kyler yeah. Murray. Yeah. Okay. Are you taking up? You see, you're taking you're taking Jordan on that. I'm, I guess I'm, I'm confused, but I'll I'll take it. I'm yeah. Sure. Because <laughs> I think that. three teams will trade, but not that one. Anyway, yeah. Yeah. I, as long as you don't think that the the, the Cards are going to trade down, then you take the deal. Take I don't. Me. I think they're staying at one. I think whether or not they take Nick Bosa or Kyler Murray is up in the air. But I, but I don't think that they're going to trade down, even though they should. It's a smart thing to do. That's what they did in our 100% correct NFL mock draft. So maybe they will. Jordan, you're having some serious headphone issues right now. Well, can't even hear. Nicholas, do you have a second beer bet for us? Yeah. Um, I bet that of picks 11 through 32 that we made, we're going to get over seven and a half correct. Damn. Bold. Is that super bold? Is that too bold? I mean, we did we did like totally pitch our, our mock draft as we have a teleporter that takes us into the future and we're reporting to you live what is actually happening. So we should be a hundred percent correct from eleven to thirty-two. Um seven and a half correct. It's like a thirty percent hit rate. We actually if, if we're that confident, if you guys are with me on this, then we should probably go put some money somewhere. Thirty <laughs> percent hit rate for this is uh, I would love to have ill-found confidence in ourselves but i sadly cannot just muster myself to do this uh so nicholas i'm going to take you on that okay i'm not i'm with you i uh someone once said if you put enough monkeys in a big enough room with enough typewriters they will eventually give you shakespeare and this might have just been that happening True. so can't take you on it nick we're gonna get like 15 right nice it is uh, we are 
the right number of monkeys. It has been proven that four <laughs> is the correct monkeys to uh, to write Shakespeare. It's the correct right. It is the correct number of monkeys. Uh, to peel back the piano curtain, we seemingly have lost Jordan. So when he, he was so insulted by Pete's <laughs> tirade that he has had he's had to drop off to collect himself. Yeah, he he had to recuperate after my uh, verbal tongue lashing about how poor he was as a as a podcast member. But we're hoping the best, and maybe he'll join on later. We shall see. Uh, Clark, yeah, what's your second beer bet? Okay, so this one, this is my serious one. I'm playing serious on this one. I think the NFL can't help itself, and we're going to have three quarterbacks drafted in the top 12. Jesus Christ, I'm going to take you on that. That would not surprise me if that happened. It would, it would actually break my heart if that happened. Who do you think are the most likely for those three teams? Or like, who do you think are the three teams that would do it? I I don't know. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, there's like the Giants need a quarterback. Like, even if right. you believe in Eli now, I mean, last year was the year to do it, but now is the year to do it again. The Dolphins, I know you don't want to, you know, they're they're clearing out cap space and they're taking a fiscally responsible year, but that doesn't mean you can't go ahead and get a quarterback. Clark, can I quickly amend your uh, beer bet then? You probably oh. want to say the top 13 picks. Unless top you think, 12. You think the Dolphins are going to trade up for a QB? I, I think you know, I, I'm just getting flashbacks to the to the draft that we had with uh, Jake Locker oh, and, uh, and, uh, and the guy that Jaguar. And Blaine Gabbert. Yeah. Right. Like, I just uh, – it just – no one seems really excited about yeah. these quarterbacks except for Kyler Murray. And I may end up looking really stupid for this, but I, I watch Kyler Murray play and he, he looks okay, but I, I feel like he's getting a lot of credit for what Baker Mayfield did. And people are just making lazy comparisons that he's this surefire, mm. you know, lights out guy. That's why I'm so confused that Josh Rosen's not getting more uh, buzz for trades unless everybody's just playing chicken. I, I this draft class, I, I don't think is great at quarterback, uh, but the NFL is a quarterback hungry league, even though it's getting better. I think enough teams are going to go, go up and get it. And, and again, with, with the Bengals picking at 11, how could you not sit and wait and take somebody, you know, I that, that's have just, to. yeah. Yeah. Cause, cause they can wait too. I mean, you said Andy Dalton's, you know, terrible. He's not, he's okay. Right. I, I don't think he's going to take it to the Super Bowl, So he's a fine quarterback to have for a year or two. Why you let someone develop? I mean, kind of forgotten. Like that's a really good way to develop a quarterback is yeah. to give him a second instead of just throwing him in with a shitty team that had a really high pick. Hey, did uh, uh, did the Chiefs just do that with Pat Mahomes and well, have experienced you know, a lot of success? It's worked before, yeah. right? Like, um, Jordan, for just joining on, the current beer bet that Clark has put out there is that three quarterbacks will be taken in the top twelve. Do you take it? So I assume you guys all like agreed with my bet that I laid out there. That no less than that the, we all did, we all took it. We're you're owing all of us beers. <laughs> oh my, wait, we're back to this. I can't hear Jordan. Oh god damn it, Nicholas! All right. Anyway, me. just I think just it's wave when you're done because I got something to say. I think it's Google Hangouts. Like I tried different headphones and now I'm on my freaking iPad right now instead of Google my computer. Hangout, letting us down right it's, now. It it really is. Um, yeah, I, I I agree with that because that kind of goes with the bet that i made before the narrative that you're putting out there yeah nicholas you may speak thank you sir 
Um, okay, so something just stood out to me. I was looking over who's who's picking in the top 12. Clark, I'm not going to take your bet because I, I think it's pretty likely. Um, remember uh, like a month or two ago or whatever it was when Nick Foles was signed and they made this whole thing about how we're going to pay him a shit ton of money to establish that he is unquestionably our starting quarterback. What if the Jags are playing him to take like Haskins at seven? I don't doubt that. It could be sneaky. That would be it's a just sneaky crazy enough to make to sense. Yeah. They're so smart, right, Clark? I, I feel so bad for Dwayne Haskins if that happened to him, because that would just completely condemn him to a career of failure and sadness. <laughs> and At least sadness. in the eyes of Clark. At least in the eyes of Clark. Uh, my second beer bet is that at least, and we're going to not just talk about Thursday, because you know there's a full weekend here of NFL draft to cover, uh, on Friday, at least five wide receivers will go in the second round. I think that DK Metcalf and one of the Browns are a lock for the first round, whether it's Marquise or AJ. But that still leaves, uh, was it Keneal? Is that how you say it? Nikhil. Nikhil. Yeah. Nikhil Harry, Hakeem Butler, Paris Campbell, the other Brown who's not taken. And then guys like Debo Samuel from South Carolina and Kelvin Harmon from um, NC State, all of whom I think you could have all of those guys go in the second round. So I think there's going to be a big run of wide receivers in the second. So. At least five guys going in the second round. Who's who's giving me beers? Yeah, five is a lot. But one of the really consistent things that you hear people talking about in this draft is that there is just a ton of defense, you know, defensive line, linebacker talent, and there's just a ton of wide receiver talent. So uh, to make it interesting, I'll take you on it. But I would not be surprised at all if we saw, you know, like you said, there's tons of guys that people are going to get anxious for and I think go up and get in the second round. So probably see lots of movement and lots of these guys fly off the board. Yeah, I'm not taking it. I, I think I think uh, this is it's probably likely. I like your style. Thank you, sir. Jowden. I, I can't take it because I think in an offensive league, people are going to be like, you know what we need? Offense. <laughs> so We need some wide receivers. And, and I think the second round is just when they're going to be like, okay, yeah, we, we feel comfortable now using a second round pick on a receiver. Why not? Fair. Uh, do you have another beer bet, Jordan? Um, well, <laughs> I still think Montez Sweat goes in the first round. Is that something people saying that he's not? Uh, there's been rumors that he has been taken off of draft boards entirely because of his heart condition, and some people have dropped him to a day two grade. Um, if people, if everybody's in agreement with that, I will say that if TJ Hawkinson is off the board before 12. The Packers will trade back. Mm. Uh, maybe I have too many beer bets with trading back. <laughs> I, th- I think it's a good draft to trade back, to be honest, because a lot of teams have quarterbacks already. There's only a handful that would be dumb enough to uh, want to draft some of these QBs and not wait till next year. Three, exactly, according to Clark. Let's go with Josh Allen. The good Josh Allen will be drafted before Quinnen Williams. Because I think Josh Allen is a better player, and he should be drafted before Quinn Williams. I will take you up on that. Certainly, I like your logic, but I think that Quinn Williams. I think interior pressure is so hot these days; it's all the rage um, that I could see. I could see him going pretty high, especially if Nick Bosa goes one to Carol to the Cardinals. I could see the uh, San Francisco 49ers putting Quentin Williams all uh, our uh, perfectly correct uh, NFL mock draft. 
Well, good, because the Jets are going to draft Josh Allen and Quinn Williams is going to go to the Buccaneers. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just throwing shit out there. Yeah. <laughs> See what sticks. Hey, man, it's an effective way to do the podcast. It's the only way. I hear that's how the Giants draft. So <laughs> <laughs> They take different Francesca takes and they just throw them at the walls and see what sticks. I'm going to be really mad when they take my boy Josh Jacobs at 17. Just to double down. <laughs> just to just be like, hey, you know what? We need another running back. If y'all don't stop being mean to me, I'm going to draft a running back in the first round every year. So, shh. Uh, anyone else taking Jordan's beer bet? No, I'll take it. Sure. I don't, I don't know what it is. Josh Allen will be drafted before Quinn and Williams. Yes, I will take that. All right. Uh, does anyone else have any lingering beer bets? I have one more, but I don't know if anyone else prepared three. Yeah, I have uh, three offensive linemen go in the top 15. <laughs> <laughs> because that's what we had in our mock. So. That's what we had. We had them going in the top 10. <laughs> I want to give myself a little breathing room. Uh, I will take you up on that, Clark. I'm thinking a lot of these. Damn, you guys are – I'm feeling real generous today. Or slash oh, you guys not. are – you guys are making real good bets that are like right on the line where I'm like, yeah, I'm definitely going to take this. And then they're all going to pay out and I'm going to have to give up a lot of beers. I will. I'll take that bet and I'll parlay it with Cody Ford, not being the first offensive line taken. Like we, have. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not taking it. Boom. Uh, all right. The, the final beer bet I've got is that the uh, Patriots will not draft a tight end until day three of the draft, which is the fourth round or later. Because Bill Belichick doesn't give a fuck about your Gronks retired, so the Patriots are taking your tight end narrative. I'll I'll take that bet. I think the the Patriots, not to try to replace Rob Gronkowski, but I think they. Um, I mean, even when they had Gronk, they were still trying to draft that solid number two that they haven't had since uh that one tight end went to jail um yeah i, I think they, they still value that position pretty highly yeah i i, I uh I, I agree with this i i, I think that they're pretty much set there with asj and matt lacoste oh i forgot to draft or they signed asj hell yeah i'm gonna draft hall of fame too. tight end asj all all fantasy team so uh... Pete, I think you know this. I, I've really come full circle on the Patriots from hating them to just being fascinated by them. But I think the idea that you draft someone to replace Gronk is stupid. I mean, I mean they might, but this it is a team known for adjusting and playing to their strengths. None of this, we're trading D Ford because he plays in the 3-4. We're going to the 4-3. No stupid stuff like that. The coaches take who they have and get the most out of them. So I feel like it's more likely that the Patriots don't even draft anybody in the first round. And they, and they pull that, they trade the 32 again to get in front of the Cardinals who are so excited to get, you know, whoever right. gets snatched in front of them. I mean, I just, the, the Patriots, they take, they understand that this is a big guessing game. You know, it, it's kind of like 51%. You know, if you have great scouting, you may have a slight edge on someone else. They have tons of picks, and I think that they're just going to stick with their, you know, s- stick with their brand. They're going to trade out of it. Uh, I know that's not your tight end question, but like, I am just fascinated by watching what they're going to do at thirty-two. It's always interesting. Yeah, no, I think you're one hundred percent right. I think that they could be a, uh, a 
uh, candidate to trade up in the draft to move higher in the first round. I think there are candidates to trade back. There's now reports coming out that they're like obsessed with, uh, was it Will Greer, who's a, a quarterback, and that they might take him at 32. Like the Patriots are a wild card no matter what they do. But I just, I really don't think that the Patriots are going to try. Everyone's been mocking, like, oh, it just makes so much sense for them to take like Irv Smith, who, or if Noah Fant drops all the way down there, like, I don't know. I don't think that they're going to draft a tight end. I think that they might even dare. I think Belichick might for the first time in his tenure or whatever, his career as a Patriots head coach, might pull the trigger and get himself a first-round wide receiver. Or more likely than not, he'll trade back, collect a, a second and a, and a fifth rounder, and then turn those guys into pro bowlers because that's just what they do. And it's got to be frustrating. They're like, oh, we'll give you next year's whatever. And teams are like, oh, great. So the last pick in whatever round. (laughs) Okay, awesome. Thanks. Great. Thanks. Yeah, that's just what I wanted. Uh, Great. So there you go. There's some NFL draft talk. Those were our our beer bets. So we'll post those out online so you guys can track along with them uh, and see how they're doing as the draft rolls around. But before we go, um, should we talk a little, do a little Game of Thrones recap? Hit me with the music. Yes, brave Nicholas. Goodbye, Nicholas. Nicholas. Goodbye, Nicholas. Goodbye, Nicholas. Nicholas. Goodbye, Nicholas. Pete, that was really special. How long did it take you to make that? Hours. Did you hear that fucking (laughs) harmony that I did? Hours. Hours. You harmonized the shit out of that. Well, I don't know if I did, but thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I'm flattered. <laughs> I had to, I had to make it. This is, this is, we were talking about this peeling back the piano curtain. A lot of work. We should just keep the curtain off the piano at this point. Um, but we were talking about how anytime we talk Game of Thrones, Nick immediately just like beeps off with power to you, man, for, for not having spoiled it yet, despite not seeing the first two episodes. And I think it was Clark or someone was like, man, we need to create a, a Nick is leaving drop. And I was like, oh, challenge accepted. And I was really excited about it. So well, it was great. Thank you very much. I will. Uh, I'll talk to you guys next week. See ya. Later. The show is soaring to new heights. Thank you. And That's now what... his watch has ended. And now his watch has ended. Um, I don't know where you guys want to start because personally for me, I'll just say that this quite possibly easily is a top five, quite possibly my favorite Game of Thrones episode ever. I thought it was perfect. I thought it was beautifully done. I thought that they did an excellent job of getting kind of the important information out in front and kind of going through that quickly and then leaving real bulk of the episode for all of these reunions and letting those reunions kind of naturally develop and not feeling that you're kind of rushing from point to point to point, you know, from group to group to group and kind of letting the scenes naturally develop and letting the characters kind of naturally involve with each other. I just thought it was truly an incredible episode and and I could not get enough of it. So I don't know where you guys want to start and recapping it, but I'm happy to anywhere. Yeah. I think the first two episodes of this season have been uh, quintessential game of Thrones episodes. Like last week we just got a, 
virtual bottle episode within Winterfell. We're just we're staying here. We're gonna have all these characters interact with each other. We're going to seemingly maybe close the loop on some people's arcs and stories um, that remains to be seen. Personally, I don't think so. But uh, yeah, I freaking loved it. I said on Twitter, give me like two straight hours of fireside with Tyrion. Like his, it was it was a great episode. I don't really have much to add. I really liked it. I'm getting really nervous that it's going to be disappointing, but buttressed by this week was was really really good. Uh, a lot of the stuff that made the show good reappeared. That's. I think the two biggest things that I want to talk about from the episode, because I mean, obviously they were kind of the highlights, but were Arya and Gendry getting it on, which was just glorious to witness and and i know that they're like the whole twitter world was like oh my god how old is Arya stark oh, oh freaking out about it and it's like okay first of all you're watching a show where they have what decapitated many people uh raped a bunch of people uh burnt children alive and you're gonna get sticky about the fact that you're like oh Arya stark's having sex come on especially when she is in charge and it's like, hey, Gendry, lay down. I'm not taking your pants off, but we're doing this because guess what? If we die tomorrow, I want to have had sex before we died. I was all for it. Love that relationship coming to a, to a close. But then also Brienne getting knighted was as much as excited as I was for Arya and Gendry's relationship getting it on. Brienne getting knighted was the highlight of the show, uh, the highlight of the episode. I mean, that's what it was called. And just such a beautiful story you know conclusion to and i say conclusion because honestly i think it is it's sad but i think this is basically tying up the knot on brienne of tarth who's going to go into battle as a knight of the seven kingdoms and and die as one too i really love the uh nick's doppelganger comic relief uh i feel like we had a really strong showing from the redheaded norseman this Amen. week uh his character is essentially you know, pure comedy, and I, I just really enjoyed his little his little lines this week. His suckling from a giant's teat, just straight natural giant's breast milk. <laughs> so I was raised. Is the big woman still here? <laughs> Freaking love torment. I think the only people I am locking in to probably pass away in the upcoming battle are. Beric Dondarrion because he's like he's been checked out and ready to die for like the past seven episodes now he's 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 good he's like I'm ready let's go he's and code. then I would say Theon he's mm. out because I feel like they also don't know what to do with Theon anymore like and they didn't know what to do with him after the end of season six to be honest and that's that's about it I, I think anything else can happen but I also think they can hold, they're going to hold on to a lot of, I think they're going to hold on to a lot of fan favorites. Like they're going to want people to go and be, be in scenes and fight uh, Cersei, who is the final boss in this series right now. So they're, I think they're going to hold on to a lot of people because they've, they've given us a taste of the fan service last season. And I think they're going to, they're going to keep doing that a little bit more. Yeah, I was going to ask a great transition, Jordan. I was going to say, since we were doing beer bets already, beer bet, who's the one person you're certain is going to die next episode? Um, I think Barrick and Theon are both excellent choices. I, 
it crushes me, but I really think Brienne is gone. I just think that this was too nice of a, a conclusion for her. She's reached this highest point. She's achieved like her lifelong dream, something she never thought attainable as being a, a knight in this realm where, where women weren't allowed to be knights. And she had been thrown, that had been thrown in her face from the beginning of being, you know, her existence. Um, and now finally being not only knighted and having that honor, but also having it from Jamie, uh, this man who she's had this relationship with, this long relationship that has developed over time. And in Winterfell, the house where she made the promise to, to um, oh God, what's the mom's name? Lady Stark, uh, that she was going to be watching over her children and return them safely to Winterfell, which she did. She gets knighted there. I just, in typical Game of the Thrones fashion, this seems like the perfect, they take a, pl- a character up to the highest point just to, cut them in half and have them bleed out on the yard. I'm ready for a uh, dragon lady to bite the dust. I've had about enough of her act. <laughs> Denarius. And I'm also yep. a little, a little tired of the like six year olds being petulant and insisting that they're going to be a, a great help. Uh, in the battle. <laughs> Liana, Liana Mormont's no. gone. Do not disperse the Yana <laughs> So the, the, the strong leadership, I liked. It's like, I was raised this way, and, you know, clearly, like, strong role models, and I'm going to lead this way. Okay, okay. But like, oh, no, I'm going to be out there swinging an axe. Like, it's, uh, come the fuck on. Like, no, you're not. It's okay that you're not. It, you're six. It's fine. You're fine. Six. You're, you're young. Let's, let's, come on. I honestly think it's just going to be, like, the fringe characters where you're like, how come these guys haven't died already? Like, were they just kind of like, but wouldn't that be kind of upsetting if that was true? Wouldn't that be kind of counter? I know like the last season Game of Thrones went like uber fan, uh, whatever, whatever you were saying, fan cultivation or whatever. Uh, yeah, fan service. But wouldn't that feel kind of like anti Game of Thrones where it's like every per, like all the peripheral characters die in this like huge epic battle as opposed to literally in the first two seasons we see our two protagonists get killed one after the other. And you're like, holy shit, this show is insane. I would say not really hmm. because not since Tywin died, has there actually been a main character of consequence who has bit the dust except for Viserion. Let's talk well, about that. Viserion, yes. And then I guess you could say, uh, Tommen, but Tommen was very very tertiary yeah. and the the tyrells they were just kind of they had they'd gone as far as king's landing and they'd never been anywhere else basically right. <laughs> um and that so i i think i think yeah i don't think there's anybody who's really that we've gotten to to know intimately like tywin lannister um as far as discovering who he is as a character right. as a uh person on the show i don't think we've really gotten gotten much of actual characters dying i think they've actually cultivated this really good uh i guess mood around the show where like anything could happen but if you like binge watch it straight through and you're desensitized a little bit to already know what's going to happen Mm -hmm. you can kind of take a long lens view and be like well there were some shocks but not as many as when I look back on it and reflect. Right. Uh, so, I don't know. Yeah. Clark, I do want to quickly say, Becca and I have this running theory that uh, Daenerys will die and that the Night King will bring her back as his Night Queen. 
uh, and then John has to not only ha- has to kill uh, has to kill Daenerys and have her die in his arms, just like Egret died in his arms. And John's got a real bad luck with love. At this point, I'd be happy to see her die twice. <laughs> I don't like that attitude. <laughs> Putting John in a tough spot like that. All he all he wants to do is be handsome. It's just he just wants to be a shampoo man. He just wants to sell Pantene. He just wants. Damn it, Daenerys. He just wants to brood in those very safe crypts and uh, just get dunked on for his height every episode. <laughs> Can we talk about those very safe crypts that are filled with dead people that the that the Night King is certainly going to raise? At the very least, like dead Rickon is still somewhat of a, a corpse down there. So I, I, it's wild that they're just like yeah let's let's go down we're gonna put all of the defenseless women and children down there for this guy who we know for a fact can raise the dead but don't worry about it it's super fucking safe down there we're going to trap them we're not gonna have them flee we're gonna trap them we're gonna trap them down there super safe don't worry about it you guys very disappointed in my guy samuel tarley for not like connecting the two like he he's made to get so many connections with the help of Gilead, by the way. But he he can't get the connection that oh shit, there's dead people down here. He's been in the crypts. Yeah, what do you think the crypts are for? Literally to house dead people. Um. All right. Before we go, final call. Do we see the death of the Night King this next episode, Clark? Nah. Jordan. Yes. I think he's I, done for. That dude's <laughs> he done for. Uh, I do not think so, but I think we will discover how he and Bran are linked. Um, I think I think they lose Winterfell and have to retreat, uh, but the Night King survives. But we'll know how to kill him. I think it has to happen soon because Jordan, you nailed it. Like, there's two. There are two big competing Boston. plot points that just can't continue to exist. I don't yeah. think. Uh, yeah, so sure, it's got to end sooner or later. I think that's the way they want it too, because Cersei is just the better villain. Hands down. There's definitely just like there's more visceral hate towards her. And this is what I'm kind of irritated about with the show is like the Night King idea was like super cool, but it's run its course. Like it's it's zombies, it's freaky. Okay, you know what's really good? The human interactions and like the deceit and all of that. Like that's making the show the the fucking dragons and the zombies is like, that was neat for a minute, but let's move on with what what's good. I think that hit its crescendo this week, too. When I was super disappointed to figure out, like, oh, okay, Bran is this target that they've been talking about the Night King having, and it's so he can erase human memory and, like, wipe out his... Like, that was just kind of <sighs> like, okay, like, sure. Right. Nope. Nobody bats a thousand. Nobody... <laughs> <laughs> Game of Thrones still batting a, a solid 800. Um, yeah, no, I think I, I, yeah, I think I would not be surprised if if he dies. I think he could live. I think he lives the Night King that is through this episode. But it would make sense to we're halfway through the final season. This would be episode three is halfway through. It would make sense to kind of tie off that whole threat at episode three, and then four, five, six is all about the war against Cersei and the battle down south for the Seven Kingdoms. Almost like Billions. Have you guys ever watched Billions? No. Billions does this thing where they have like a story arc that starts halfway through one season and finishes halfway through the next. 
and then starts up a whole nother new like story arc that carries it through the rest of the way but it kind of is it's incomplete by the end of the season but uh, i mean in this case it'll it'll end obviously but hopefully yeah i, I like the midway switch yeah. storyline uh, one last thing uh, we watch on HBO now, and uh, it just made me think of old Gronk when it said, you know, Game of Thrones is uh, 69 next to it for all the streamers. Out there. Oh, yeah, it just I reminded know. me of old Gronk. Pour some out for old Gronk. Uh, make sure to tune in next week as we will talk. We'll recap the NFL draft. Oh, my goodness, because there's so much happening this weekend, like we talked about. Uh, I will reach out. Hopefully, we'll be able to get uh, Mocking the Draft, SB Nation's mock draft guy and all-around draft guru back on the podcast. We had him last year to to recap the draft and talk best landing spots, so maybe we'll be able to do that again next week. Uh, Make sure to subscribe on iTunes. We are the Fake Teams podcast, so just type Fake Teams into iTunes, and you can subscribe to that. We are also on Stitcher and, I believe, on Spotify. Spotify. No one's told me otherwise, so I'm going to say it until I'm told no. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at RB1 Podcast. Follow myself at Pete M. Rogers. Follow Clark at NFL Clark Jordan at Jordan underscore Smith 27. And the main man, Nicholas, who can't hear any Game of Thrones spoilers, but will hopefully be on next week because he said he's going to finally be all caught up to talk Game of Thrones at Ginger underscore underscore Nick. We will be back at you next week. Until then, peace!